This is the Machination Log for June 17th, 2016, recorded June 11th. I've got Ben Watts in the Weber space across from me. Yep, I'm here. Ben, we were going to talk about writing, but the magic of the Facebook maybe uh, yeah. came into our lives. And, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a big maybe. Yeah, and it, uh, it reduced the total number of people that were going to be on this podcast from seven to two. <laughs> when I actually asked around, so I guess I'm glad I did. Um, so instead, we're going to make this a check-in podcast because we haven't had one of those in a little while. We've actually now got a handful of them in the can because I've done a couple of check-ins over the last couple of days. But uh, Ben, how has life been the last couple of months that we haven't talked to you? It's been good. Um, I've been working, uh, working on, you know, PhD stuff. Uh Specifically, trying to get this paper through the last stages of review and submitted. Um, starting to work on my proposal. I actually had a fun Friday afternoon evening. I'm stuck at work because it was raining really hard. So I was like, I'm going to map out all the things I need to do in the next three months um, and write them on my whiteboard, which was a good idea. So I, I just re- I have set myself a target of 1,200 words a week. To, we're, I don't want to talk too much about writing, actually. We should stop. Um, <laughs> uh, but is, anyway, I'm going to be writing a lot in the next couple months. Um, is three is three months the T-minus until you're done? It, it's No, no, no. It's the T-minus until my proposal, which is the when I transition from being a normal PhD student to being a PhD candidate. Ah. And then it's another, like... Like year ish, it'll be like eight months after that, and then I'll be done. Do you have any particular concerns about getting that done in time? No, if I keep to that that word count, I will be golden, more than golden, because I I I I set that with the idea that I would have to write the entire document from scratch, um, which isn't true. Um, I have a bunch of material that probably will work into that already. I will have to write a substantial portion of it, probably at least 60 or 70%. But, um, what are you proposing? Uh, so it's basically the entire point of my research is what the proposal says. It's like, um, basically your hypothesis or these or hypotheses. Um, uh, and that and is, then, and so, there's there's two it's sort of two parts it's that computer that the a specific computer model can be used to reliably predict the performance of uh, concrete and cement based materials um, and then the second part of that is that advanced optimization techniques can be applied to um, this kind of modeling and used both to uh, winnow down your uh, desired mixture based on properties. And the second part of that, which is the part that to me is the biggest contribution that I'm most excited about, you can apply those optimization algorithms in reverse to um, rapidly tune this empirical model. And the difference between what we're doing now and what's been done in the past is this model is normally like a one at a time kind of simulation or like four at a time. We've been doing hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of simulations. Um, we've just been like running a whole bunch of them 
based on a set. We're like, hey, we're going to run all of this stuff. Um, but we haven't done any sort of intelligent selection of what we're going to run next. And so that's the next step. And the step after that is to change the way the model behaves based on known benchmarks and iteratively refine its behavior. So how useful is what you've got in a modeling sense already? Um, potentially useful. Like it has potential real world applications, but the concrete industry is kind of dumb. Uh, in that no. they don't they don't want it unless it's like gonna be like it's better like the paper we're putting out now says that for normal proficiency testing, which is something that labs perform to like get a benchmark for how they behave or how they're performing with regards to all the other labs, it's like a comparison right. of their tests against the mean of all the values for that test. Um, they. Uh, it's pretty good. Like it's, it would be if it's a virtual laboratory, right? That's what we call it. And if it was a treated as a normal laboratory, it would be performing at the within, like the highest. It's it's up with the best labs as far as how close it is to the mean. So um, why are they not accepting that? Because you haven't put together this crack doctor proposal that computers can do this now. Are they waiting on you? No. I mean, sort of, maybe. They're only waiting on me if what I come up with ends up being something they actually want. Um, it's just, it's got to go there sometime. Like, this is inevitable. Like, computer modeling has already been implemented to refine and, and like, uh, improve the properties of other materials like glass and steel. And But concrete's so empirical that we're not quite there yet. It's inevitable. Like, it will happen. It has to. Um, it's not even cost effective enough at this point to just tip them to that side. Well, the the potential is that concrete is massively overdesigned right now. Like a specification will say, we want four thousand psi minimum compressive strength, and there's so many fudge factors along the way in the design process that the mixture that's actually delivered ends up being like eight or ten thousand psi, which is more than double what it needs to be. Like, the whole structure is designed with that 4,000 PSI number in mind, and even that has fudge factors built into it. But contractors are so terrified of coming in under strength because it's, it's like, tear the whole thing down and build it again. Like, sure. uh, that's not something you want to do. But there's a massive amount of money being wasted there. Um, are they afraid of code revisions potentially causing them problems if they do underdesign it? Uh, no. Okay. Code revisions, like revisions to building codes are always, like with regards to design structurally, they're, they're not usually retroactive. Um, well, I, w I wouldn't assume they would be, but I would figure that causes all sorts of headache if you try to actually do anything to renovate a building that doesn't qualify in a later time. Coal power plants ran into that problem. That's why they've... Uh, Coal power plants, the old ones stick around because to renovate them requires you to bring them up to code, and that's massively right. expensive. Yeah, usually it's new new construction requires requires code compliance, and so yeah, you don't renovate. Yeah, it's one of those awkward bureaucratic nightmares. But in this case, it's just that concrete is good enough as it is, so uh, everybody's sticking. Yeah. Right now, yeah, it's it's like we we're getting by. I mean, 
we are getting by, kind of, uh, but like China's not getting by. China's not getting by because they don't. There's too much um, corruption in the process, and so like you hear about things failing in China all the time, and there's a reason why. Are you learning Chinese to future-proof your? Uh, no, your hireability. They're still sending their students here, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I I don't think we're in any dirt, any any uh, danger as far as that's concerned. Seeing what? seeing the amount of learning that happens. Well, this this I'm going to be real careful with how I say <laughs> this. That's that's totally fair. Um. So UF has a lot of international students. Um, that's where Ben does. Yeah, that's where I go to where I where I go to school. There's a lot of international gra- uh, students, particularly graduate students, and the international tuition rate is very high. They are charged like out of state is like five times in state, and then international is substantially more than that. Um, now, uh, the Chinese government. I believe I have heard from multiple people that the Chinese government helps their students cheat on what is called the TOEFL, which is the English language equivalency exam that's required for them to study here. Like they have to pass it to study here because they need a working knowledge of English. They need to be able to speak English. Um, And it's very obvious that most of them can't speak enough English to really participate or, or, um, like understand what's going on. It's, that seems so weird. Like if they're going to bother to send these people overseas, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and the university doesn't do anything about it because they're paying us so much money to come here. They're a great revenue source, but um, that is a fascinating, that's a fascinating oversight. I mean, I assume that that causes a massive problem for them learning how everything works over here. Yeah, um, yeah, no, we have a we have a student like that in the one class I'm taking this semester, and and um, it's pretty clear that he doesn't know how to speak English very well. Like he can't keep up with what we're talking about. Um, That's absolutely bizarre. I wonder how common that actually is cross discipline. I would assume it has to be to some extent. I mean, he was a material science student, and you know that's material science engineering along with chemical and. Um, Oh, what's the other one? Electrical are, are some of the most rigorous <laughs> subdivisions uh, for, for, like, civil's easy, at least at UF, and generally it's considered to be kind of one of the easier engineering degrees. Um, so, you know, he didn't come from a department where standards were low, <laughs> but... Um, but here he is. Right. I mean, what kind of expertise is the Chinese government hoping to glean from sending students to the University of Florida? And I guess more generally speaking, what does the United States provide China in this industry? That is honestly a question that I've wanted to know the answer to, because I don't really know. Like most of them go, come here, get a degree that's, I mean, the the degree is worth something in that it's a degree from a, a good American university. Of course. But I don't know. I don't know what their their job is when they get back and what they're required to do. Like I don't know what they're doing that requires the education they receive here. So, 
do any American companies subcontract, get subcontracted for any component of the process? Like their education? In China? Oh, No, I, outside of education. Uh, I, I don't Design, know. any of that stuff that all ends up being a, a black box? I, 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 I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. That seems... It just seems weird because, I mean, you'd mentioned China and it it's the name that comes to my mind at least when people talk about concrete because they are the ones that need it. Right. It just, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think they're – I don't know what they're bringing back, honestly. Like, I used to be upset about it from a, like, we're having all these – we're, like, giving them an advantage. But I, <laughs> I've come to realize that we're probably really not. They don't appear to be learning that much because they can't really speak English. Um, so God, that's such a, that's, that seems like something they would have sorted out 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think it was less of a problem than it is, but yeah, I'll have to, I, I, I have to ask that question to more people that just, that seems so bizarre that you wouldn't, you wouldn't make the effort there, but regardless, that's what you're doing at work. What are you doing? What are you doing outside of doctoring, Ben? Uh, I actually had a, I put horns on my truck today. Um, I've wanted to put, uh, I've been tired of my stock Toyota horn. So I actually learned why Japanese cars have uh, horns that are anemic by American standards. And it's because in Japan, the horn is not as much of a warning slash expression of anger as it is a, a communication tool. Like it's actually used in friendly contexts in Japan. <laughs> So, you know, my horn was just like, beep, you know, it was a friendly sounding kind of beep, which is not what I want. So I, I started, it was, uh, I think it was last weekend, I, oh, it's been a long week. Um, it was last weekend, I was, uh, I've always wanted to do like a train horn, but that's not feasible and stupid. Um, yeah, that, that seems a little they're, extreme. They're illegal really. Um, so, so the first, the original idea I had was there's, there's, uh, Cadillacs from the seventies came with, uh, a four tone horn. I think it was, it's like A, C, F and D. Um, and you can still find like F and A or D and A or that's a sixth. Yeah. Yeah, um, something like that, yeah. and uh, But the C is hard to find, and the other lower one is hard to find. Like, you can buy them off eBay used, but I was, like, not sure. I didn't know how I would mount them. Like, they're not as compact as the... Because there's two styles of horn. There's, like, a like a flat kind of buzzer-style horn. They're just disc-shaped, and they're pretty compact. And then there's, like, horn horns. I have one on my floor here. I've tripped over it like six times in the last week. Um, they're shaped like this. Which no, this won't matter because this is a podcast. Um, feel free to make that. <laughs> feel free to send me a picture of it. We'll make it a thumbnail. Yeah, I can put some. I can put some pictures up. But um, yeah, no. So I bought. I started looking for. First, I was like, I'm going to mimic a train horn. So I found a train horn that I liked, and then started to try and match available horns to it and i was like and i was that was a dead end like it was a waste of time it's really hard to find an octave by the way in horns like <laughs> like like i it's it's fairly easy like 290 
300 hertz, there's a couple in that range, but then like 600 hertz or 580 hertz are almost impossible to find. Um, so I ended up with, uh, I ended up just looking at one manufacturer's line of horns and then like putting all the different notes into Audacity as sawtooth waves and then like finding the combination that I liked the best. Um, <laughs> So I think I have a 300 hertz, a 335 hertz, a 400 hertz, and a 500 hertz, which is like a second, a four. It's like a, a a root, a second, a fourth, and a sixth. The root is a is a D at like a 448. <laughs> it's it's kind of a really sharp D, but it sounds pretty good. Um, I have to. The, the horns all have little adjustment screws on the back, and they're electromechanical devices. So what happens is there's like a diaphragm with a magnet on the back of it, and then there's a coil mounted to in the back of the horn, and the the diaphragm gets pulled towards the coil when the coil activates, and then as the, when that happens, it also breaks contact with a point, um, which cuts the current in the coil, and the diaphragm goes back, and then it springs back, and it's like. It's a it's an electromechanical oscillation, um, but you can adjust the point gap there, um, and that uh, affects the tone of the horn a little bit. Like it changes the pitch a few cents, but it, it mostly affects like how loud it is. So, could you hook a bunch of pipe organs up to the side of your truck? Pipe organs? Like, no, no, not. Entire organs, but like pipes from. I mean, you need a compressed air source. Don't you have that in a car? No. What? No car has a compressed air source built in. Like you need for a pipe organ, you need some serious volume. Like I know, but I'd think a car you'd be able to figure that shit out. I mean, I wouldn't. No, I mean you totally can. Like it's it's not something you couldn't do. Like could you divert the exhaust or something? Ah. No, it doesn't have enough pressure. Um, like that would that would also be really bad for your engine. Like trying to pressurize, like the engine wouldn't pressurize the exhaust enough for it to work. This is me making a frowny face at Ben for not being a <laughs> can do. No, I mean uh, potentially you could have a a, a really a, a horrible performance-inducing low pressure horn powered by the exhaust gases of your car. It would be like you would pull the horn and lose most of the power. Or you could pull it while you were going downhill in gear because it wouldn't matter. It would be like, it would just be like an engine brake and a horn. It'd be weird. (laughs) That sounds all right. It could be okay. No, they totally sell like train horn style horns with like you buy a comes with like an air tank and a and a small air compressor that you wire into your electrical system and like it charges up the air compressor and you can get a lanyard like in your cab to pull on to activate the horn but um couldn't you just do that with a regular horn i thought about it (laughs) (laughs) i really did because um the like the stock horn draws four amps of current which is not a lot uh and the switch the whole switch that it's on it's just switched by the horn and the switch in the steering wheel. And it's on a 15 amp fuse. But like the four horns I got together pull like 24 amps. So uh, I had to get a relay um, 
wire the stock switch to the relay coil so the switch all the switch does is turn on the relay and the relay actually passes all the current that the horns require had to wire in a fuse and everything it was actually a, a interesting little electrical job it was fun though like kind of you have more than two horns have, or more than one i have four okay yeah and i just they're in parallel the nice thing about a car is that the whole chassis is the ground plane so you only have to run one wire to most things. Like, you just have to hit the positive, and then the negative just goes into the frame of the car. Why don't the Japanese have more than one place on the steering wheel you can hit for like different different horn, tones? Horn tones? If they're if they're going to be more nuanced about it, why don't they have? I don't know expense. They get Simon Says going on in there. Got one for each. I mean, possibly. That'd be pretty exciting. It would be cool, for sure. I would I, actually use my horn. I have never actually hit the horn in my car. I have, as the m older I've become, the more I've used the horn. Like, I have become <laughs> much more, um, yeah, liberal with horn use. I, I've started to get, like, you can tell when people are being impatient or being not paying attention, and that's when I get, uh, like, they're on their phone at a signalized left turn light, and that uh, that drives me absolutely crazy. I give them about, I give them like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi horn. Um, and it's usually not like I lay on the horn, it's just a little beep, but like wake up. That's apparently illegal in New Jersey. That's not okay. <laughs> it is illegal to use your horn in New Jersey aside from to uh, prevent an accident. Really? Yeah. That's Word has it. That's strange. But whatever. I, I mean, I can imagine if you live in a densely populated city, that gets fucking aggravating really rapidly. Yeah, only, potentially. I've only been in Chicago a little while, and uh, horns and other noises from outside All are of New Jersey, insufferable. Though? I don't know that much about the law in New Jersey. It may just be within city limits. Okay. But, uh, All right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that would drive me. Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't really use it that much. It's just like there are specific times when it it feels necessary. And now my horn will be like shocking. Worthy of pressing. Yes. Like I'm gonna want to use it more now. <laughs> I don't know if that's good. There was I don't, I don't think that's good. Oh, okay. This reminds me of a fun uh anecdote. Um in which I, it, it was at a signalized left turn light. I was behind a person, um, and I could see her through her uh, side oh, view nice. mirror. I could see her face. I could see her um, looking down at her phone. Um, and so the light turned green. I watched her for a couple seconds, and then I gave her a little beep. And then she looked up at me in the side view mirror, made eye contact through the mirror, and I mouthed, pay attention and then she flicked me off out the window. It was the best thing ever. I was like, oh, that made my day. That's one of the odd things about the about flipping people the bird in a car is that because it's more or less a form of etiquette, it doesn't really have the desired effect when you flip people off in the car. No, no. Um, it makes me laugh most of the time. Yeah, unless, I've, it, unless I've actually screwed up and someone flips me off, that's 
but it doesn't happen too often. Um, it has like, happened a couple times. Like the bird doesn't get dropped a lot in driving from my experience, but, um, that was particularly satisfying because that was like an instance where someone, she just knew she was wrong and was like annoyed that someone had caught her out in it. And that yeah. was the way she expressed it. No, that's, like, that's, that's how it always works. You get either that or you get the, uh, you get the hand wave if it's a good thing. And it, uh, sure. Communication yeah. between cars is limited. It's basically what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. That, uh, we've talked about, I've had a couple conversations with people where we talked about the difference between cars and then like boats or motorcycles, like everyone is friendlier when they're not enclosed. It's like being in the, uh, an enclosed space isolates you from other people. I mean, I mean, it, yeah. makes real, it makes a lot of sense, but looking you, out the window as opposed to being out. In the right. Air. Like being in a boat, everybody just waves. Everybody's like, Hey, how you doing? We're all on boats. Um, or if someone yells at you, it is substantially more animus than mm-hmm. it is in a car. Yeah. Well, there's like, that person's almost certainly drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that's, that's more common with boats. Cause there's nothing better than drinking on a boat. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are better, but it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. I enjoy Someone it. Have you believe? When's the last time you've been on a boat? Um, I went out with my dad on the St. John's. I think uh, during the, the the holidays, the winter holidays. Okay. You can um, do that in Florida. Yeah, you can just go out on a boat. Um, I used to go sailing a lot at our local lake, um, but I just haven't lately. Uh, not really sure why, because I really enjoy it. So you should go sailing, Ben. I should, but it's like I feel like there's always other things I want to do. Like what? Like what I did today. Put horns on my car. What'd you do the day before that? I worked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yesterday, yesterday was Friday, so um, <laughs> that's what I do during the week. I work. So what have you been up to, Dave? What are you been oh, you know, working on? Um, I've made probably my seventh fiberglass resin bowl in an attempt to uh, make a negative that I can pour some stucco base coat into because it's the cheapest moldable material I've found while making this stupid bird bath. Um, it is. It has been so close to done for maybe three weeks, and mm. it is holding up every other like material project that I've had and it's part of the reason that I've been writing so much is as a diversion from that I uh for those following on the site I don't know how long ago it was at this point but I did an essay on bingo and um that was an introverse episode the introverse episodes of which there have been three now they're all written I don't those are not extemporaneous and it takes a long time to write a half an hour of spoken words yeah. Um, but it makes a great diversion if you're trying not to work on something else. How many words is uh, is it? The bingo average? essay was about 4,700. Yeah, that's yeah. substantial. That's half all, an hour? What? That's half an hour of me talking. I didn't think it would be that long. Yeah. That's a Wait, lot. You, I guess, I guess I, I'm just not used to, I don't like to, unless I'm reading like a novel, I normally read things in, in like small chunks, so... Yeah, the the rule of thumb is 150 words a minute. I speak a little faster than that, but mm. um, 
But no, that's uh, and we'll actually have a writing cast at some point, which is what this uh, was preempted for this, as alluded to at the top. No, I've been podcasting too much, basically, is what I've been doing. Because um, I do this three times a week, and I'm about to put out five next week. Yeah, that's um, quite a few. Yeah, it's more than I should be doing. But I want to have... I want to have this structured everything. Like I want, I want Monday to be the group discussion, and I want Wednesday to be introverted thoughts into the black hole of the mind, which I'll probably bring other people into at some point. But I want to establish the mood for that first, and then Friday's consumption log stuff, where we talk about stuff that people are doing that is entirely on the consuming rather than producing side. But mm-hmm. on top of that, I want to have a separate podcast where I can have just one minute of doing something stupid, whatever that happens to be. Cause then I can video, I can do like video of that cause it's easy to edit. And I also want to have a check-in podcast on Tuesdays so that I can like rotate in people who are doing stuff. Cause I don't currently have something like that. And as you can tell, um, that piles up pretty rapidly given yeah. that I still have a job that I still have to do. Yeah. I mean, I try to get my work. Like I was thinking, I, I, when I was mapping everything out uh, Friday, I was I was uh, I had the thought it would be convenient to devote specific days of the week to specific types of tasks. But the problem is that my will to do specific things is so variable. It's temperamental. And, yeah, and very temperamental. And then, like, if I was to make it too structured, it would it would just fall apart because. Um, the demand, the demands of work are like sometimes I, I get pulled in different directions sometimes that I don't have control over at weird well, times. So well, and structure has its own overhead that you have to right. account for too. Yeah, no, it's a permanent, it's a permanent frustration. I'm just glad in my particular case. Before I shut up about myself, uh, I've got, uh, I've gotten to a point where I feel like if it were profitable to do this, which it is absolutely not, I would totally do this for a living now. Yeah, it's fun. I like. Well, I, mean, I like you, coordinating it. You just gotta. You just gotta hit the right market. Like yeah. you gotta. You gotta build. How is the audience of this tutorial cosplaying? Oh, it's. Is there any? Is it? Is it grown at all? It's around 150 people. It okay. Mo- it fluctuates up and down, but uh, and I assume half of those are bots. So I say 75. And again, <laughs> as long as if I'm not trying to make money off this, that's plenty of people listening to this. I have, sure. I have no issue with that number. Um, but yes. podcasts, podcasts are hard to monetize unless you've got something serious going yeah, on. Yeah, you need a real – you need to develop a real substantial audience before you can really make money. Like, I have to do more Toriel cosplays. Yes. Yeah. That's where the real money is. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of furry things, I, I saw – I watched Zootopia uh, Did this you? week. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. It's just really uh, warm. <laughs> like like I it was it was a very feel good movie. As most kids movies are, but it was That's why like, my sister hated it so much. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it was a little bit darker. Like the peril in that movie is is not uh inconsequential at times. Like there's there's stakes. There's also the the social commentary in the movie is uh, while ham-fisted to some degree at a superficial level. Uh, I've already – we have a review of this up on the site if anybody wants to actually hear my full view on it. But uh, 
it pulls very few punches in its dialogue yeah. for a kids' movie. Yeah. There's some direct nods to stuff that's happened mm-hmm. not all that long ago in that movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was definitely I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. That's another thing I did. Um I watched time. a movie. Yeah. Um hmm, what else has been happening? I went on a I went on a I oh oh this was fun. As part of the horn thing. Originally I was going to um build a like I wanted to get the horns to kind of have like a fade in to full loudness, like <laughs> like a wah, you know, like that. Um so I was like trying to design a circuit that um had like first I wanted to delay two of the horns. Like I wanted to have two of them I wanted to be like ba-da you know like so I could do like a friendly beep and if I held the horn down for longer it would be less friendly. Going to um, full auto. Yeah. Um but through this whole process I, I actually finally built in my head a working model for how analog circuitry works. Uh oh. Yeah. Like like I kind of understand it now. Like <laughs> simple circuits, I can like look at them and intuit what is happening. Which it, it's always been really elusive for me. Like circuits are hard. Circuits yeah. have always been like because you can't see what's going on. There's nothing visible happening. Where are the pixies going? Right. Yeah. No, Chooching away. Chooching. Ugh. That guy. Yeah, he's permeated uh, weirdly diverse branches of my life. Um, <laughs> like We're talking about AVE for those who are unfamiliar. Yeah, yeah. He, his, um, <laughs> my buddy at work, Jerry, uh, he... He he was like doing something the other day. He's like, "Here, just watch." And, and he, he got something to work. He's like, "Cheddar." And I was like, "Ah." <laughs> Ave is a Canadian engineer. I don't think he's retired, but he he's acts like, like a it. mining engineer. Um, yeah. No, he's he's not retired. He has like a three year old daughter. He's young. no, I, no, I know. He just acts like he's retired. Yeah, you don't ever see his face. Nope. I found oh, the, a good. I found a good. Another good YouTube channel along those kinds of lines uh, called This Old Tony. It's a guy who does machining, um, but he does. He his videos are funny. Um, he 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 manages to be clever and keep it short and like I watch those and I watch this. What's he make? Um, most of the videos I've watched, he's been making tools for his tools. Um, so that's meta. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one of the things you, you can do when you have like a real machine shop. You can like all the tools you actually need. Most of them you can make with the exception of the cutters, really. Make a six screwdriver. I mean, you could, but that's the kind of thing where it's not really worth the, worth the money. To... Oh, man. Yeah. You can't make like a six foot long screwdriver or something. Well, I mean, you could do that if you needed one. What if you just want one? You could also do that if you wanted one. But I mean... That's what we're talking about. That's not the kind of thing people usually make for themselves uh, <laughs> when they need a machine tool. I watch that one, and I watch... Um, there's A-Bomb 79, which he's much more, like, heavy-duty. Like, like his machine... He, you you would learn how... Like, watching his videos, you kind of learn a lot um, about 
being a machinist because he doesn't he doesn't like skip any of the boring stuff. He doesn't he doesn't like dwell on it. Like if he has to do the same operation six times, he'll show it to you once and be like, "Yeah, then I did this six more times, um, <laughs> five more times." But he shows you all the details of how a process works, um, and he's like a professional heavy-duty machinist like the this old tony is is a hobbyist for sure um now there's there's a that's that's become the primary like thing i consume media wise is videos of people making stuff excellent because it's relaxing it's super <laughs> relaxing there's plenty of it yeah if you want to watch someone build a house you can get pretty much every component of that on the web but one of the things that's become like, there's people out there making videos with, like, legitimate quality, like, equipment and stuff. Like, they're using good cameras, and they're using good microphones, and they're taking care of the details of turning it into something someone actually would want to watch. It's not just, like, the way I would make a video, where I'd, like, pull out my cell phone at specific moments and be like, yeah, I forgot to show you all this, but I got the wiring harness put together, um... I look. I spent a lot of money on equipment that should prevent that from happening, and that's all that happens when I try to record video. <laughs> is I forget to record things that people want to watch. Yeah, you really have to. It really messes with your process. It it slows yes. you down. You have big to think time. about it. It slows you down a lot. Like like that's what that's why I don't do it. It's because normally when I'm building something, I want to build it. I want it to be done. Like because yeah. I I have a goal. I have an end product in mind. And, um. No, that was the last thing I did. I, I was recording. I was GoProing the birdbath for a while and then gave up after I had like eight hours of time-lapse footage trying to put that thing together. But um, And for those of you who are wondering what the hell it's going to look like, it will be thoroughly unimpressive the way that every project that goes this far over budget and over time does. So feel free to not be impressed by that when it's done. Um, but... In the meantime, I did a handful of other little projects. Like I made a, um, I I made an extension for a towel rack in my bathroom, which is just a piece of wood. But I experimented with using chisels to like make little uh, icons in it, and I could have made a lovely video of that if it had even occurred to me to record it, which it did not. So nobody gets to see that. Yeah, I replaced the main coil in my oven. That would have been a solid little video because it would have been a lot of cursing because like, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Because you pull the like there's two screws that hold the coil in place sort of generally and you pull it out and there's two wires that hook up to the back and one of the wires you pull it off and it's fine. No, no. Here's what happened. One of the wires I pulled it off. It immediately got sucked back into the inside of the oven like behind the wall of the oven compartment. So Excellent. I was like, well, fuck that. That's going to suck. Um. I'll get this other one off first and then go from there. And I pulled the the process of pulling the other one off. I cut my finger like twice because the edge of it was really sharp for some reason. It's like like for a user user serviceable device, this was a pain in the dick. Like to get the other wire out, I had to go and like cut up a coat hanger and make a hook and, you know, like dig around in there and pull it out. And it was just like, why? Why was this so difficult? <laughs> I don't know. That would have been pretty hard for you to video, I think. I think you'd probably need an assistant for that. I would have had to have, like, first person on my head. Yeah. I've thought about doing that and just, like, recording the whole thing and then narrating it. Um, yeah. 
I feel like that would be the best way for me to go about things. But then it would be like, yeah, here's the part where I realized that I put the extra gasket inside the horn, and so now it doesn't work. So I have to take both of these horns apart again and uh, put them back together. So that's what I'm doing for the next 10 minutes. Um, Excellent. And then you do a time lapse while it's on your head, and it's completely unwatchable. Yeah, because it's not stable at all. Yeah, that's very nauseating. I did one of those before. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure just like for fun. Epilepsy-inducing. It's pretty bad. I should probably do. I, I just got to make more videos. God damn it, Ben! Got to make stuff, and I'm already making stuff. I'm just not making enough stuff, and it's not the right stuff. And fuck everything. Am I right? Sure. Yep. I make stuff for work, so you know. I make stuff time. for work, but it's like code, and I don't care about that. Yeah, see, I make code that I actually like making. That's the one part of my job that I truly enjoy, is coding. I mean, I like a lot of my job, but, like, coding is the one task that when I'm doing it, it's easy to get myself to keep doing it. Like, writing is harder. Writing is harder. Communicating with people is harder. Physical experiments are a little harder to do like coding I can just sit down and like because it's it's the kind of thing I will start coding I will stop for the day I'll think about it in my leisure time I'll go to sleep I'll think about it when I wake up it's like I get into a, a zone where I'm just completely uh, caught up in that problem and that's that's what's happening in my head Ben short of mentioning a comic book that was like the most nerd-ass nerd thing I think I've ever heard you say. The last two sentences. It was What's magical. That? What did you, I say? You were, you basically said that coding was the easiest thing that you do, and your way of enjoying it is to go home and in your leisure time think about it, and um, you compared it, unfa you compared it favorably to communicating with other people. <laughs> I did. It was. Sad. I meant like emails and stuff. Honestly, like <laughs> that's, cor that's, correspondence is what I was trying to say. That's there. fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, no, I mean it's true. That's but that's true for like coding is just the thing at work that's most conducive to that because that's how I approach a lot of problems. Like, like I, I get into like a full, full bore like obsessive thinking about this particular project problem full-time and it's and it's usually really productive like it's it's like i go f i can make tons of progress in just a few days if i can keep that state going but um sure no i'm not immune to the charms of coding i just more often than not i find it pretty tedious so yeah i mean a lot of it is and debugging sucks um but i've gotten really good at it like Stop writing so many bugs, Ben. Jeez. Yeah, there's no <laughs> Andy and I talk about this a lot because he codes a lot too. There's nothing worse than like having to go back and modify a program that you wrote because you know I'm not a very uh, you don't good... leave a lot of signposts around. I'm gonna imagine. Yeah, no, it's not a lot of comments, <laughs> not a lot of, uh... <laughs> and most of my programs, to be fair, are not long. They're like maybe few hundred lines but there's there's enough where it's like mm, i you like i've i've definitely hated prior me for writing specific parts of code it, it definitely is like why did i do that now i have to deal with it again 
Because you were lazy then? Yep, that's why. It's always <laughs> why. It's like, because that was the quickest way to do it then, and you just needed to get something done. Like, <sighs> Well, Ben, got anything else you want to check in on? I don't think so. Excellent. Yeah, no, I think we're good. Yeah, I can put, I can put, uh, I have before and after sound clips of my horn, so. Um, <laughs> oh, definitely to... send those along. Okay. Yes, cool. absolutely send them. Oh, actually, no, I guess it's weird that, never mind, I'm being, I just got caught in a mental loop for no reason. Ben! Yes? Thank you for being part of the Machination Log. You are welcome. It's good talking to you. Good morning, everyone.